This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome back to another episode of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungy here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. I am your host, Tyler Fornis, and with me, as always, is Fred Moreland. And Fred, guess what? We get to watch another scramble match. Goody. Uh, you ever see the movie A Clockwork Orange? Um, you know what? That has actually not been a movie I've seen. I've wanted to see it for some time, but I have this thing with movies where... All of a sudden, I, I really want to see a movie. Like, I really wanted to see Cocaine Bear. But the wife wasn't feeling good, so I'm like, okay, the day we were going to go see it. All right, we'll see it later. Well, I still haven't seen it. I do that with a lot of movies, and yeah. Clockwork Orange is one of them. As I get the Hungry Cat run in in uh, record time. Um, not even a minute into the show. Just impressive. Yeah. She just hasn't it's not put enough with my shit. She uh, yeah, so, Switch played Jay White. That's right. Uh, they ain't got time to waste. Uh, I, I I appreciate the efficiency. Um, yeah, so in the Clockwork Orange, at some point, a character is uh, put in this device where like his eyes are forced open. You've probably, I imagine, a lot of people have at least seen references to this, and I feel like that was me with WrestleMania weekend because not only did I try to watch all the key stuff at least, but I also had to get it done in uh, Monday through Wednesday because I was at, uh, largely out of town last week and. Uh, I just I watched so much wrestling this week. I have I am tired of wrestling. I can't remember the last time I could say that. I'm just real tired of wrestling. Well, especially with some of the stuff we got at WrestleMania weekend. Let's say it wasn't the peak days of WrestleMania weekend when Gabe Sapolsky was running the collective. Um, there was good stuff. There was good stuff. I only I tried to only watch the good stuff too. So I'm complaining about that. I mean. I'm, I'm such a loser over here. It's like, oh, I got to watch good wrestling a lot. I missed a couple matches on the DDT, the first DDT show. DDT goes Hollywood. And I'm like, okay, let's give the Chris Brooks Yoshihiko tag match a shot. I got four minutes in. I'm like, okay, I I can't watch Mao with with Yoshihiko. I'm just not buying it. I'm sorry. I like, we'll talk about Mao later, but I. I it lost me. I'm like, okay, I, I'm just done with WrestleMania weekend. I didn't have a, a login for a high spot, so I did not watch the, the collective or the Mark Hitchcock Memorial show. Yeah. But I watched a lot of the collective stuff. Thank God for Fight Plus saving us literally over a hundred dollars. Oh yeah. Um, oh we'll see how, how long what, this lasts, but what what an atrocious business move hey, by we, fight. We gotta get while the getting's good. <laughs> oh, uh we <laughs> got thing. while the getting is good. Um, because of that, I was able to watch a lot of stuff and my overall opinion of WrestleMania weekend as it currently stands is they could be doing a much better job booking with the talent they have because the talent they have isn't bad. Why is Brian Keith only there for two matches? Why is black Taurus only in a couple? And one of them is a three way. Uh, I, we understand why he's in that three way. He's a perfect base for Commander Vikingo, right. but yeah, they have so much talent at their disposal. 
but I'm still seeing Dark Sheik like six times. Like, what yeah. are we doing here? Um, you know, I I didn't review any shows this year because again, I was on uh, I was traveling a lot last week, but uh, you know, Griffin uh, Peltier uh, apparently reviewed like everything, uh, going back to the Clockwork Orange. Uh, In the words of Nick Gage, Griffin is the god of this shit. Yeah, no um, kidding. That guy's a machine. It's frightening how much oh, he yeah. watched this week. Uh, but I think last year I reviewed last year's For the Culture, and like that's a show in particular where it should be a complete banger. Like just the talent they're able to get access to for that show, and like the theming of it and all. Like every match on that should be at least good, and like the booking on it is not it just handicaps it so much that it's disappointing and this year's was apparently not any different which is a real damn shame who booked it this year do you remember? i don't even know i i don't think that like it wasn't even like a name show this year so there's not even a public facing one i, I assume it's just whoever does gcw's booking i don't know if that's all like what lauderdale or who but yeah like yeah. uh i mean i will pull up that uh that card Real quick on the old cage match. The card um, w- was definitely not as impressive as it has been in years past. But uh, w- I think Leo Rush pulled out of that show. That doesn't help. Um, that no, does and help. he was one of the better acts on the card. Um, just uh, So here um, is the talent they had. Um, or just choices from it. Of course, we had a seven-person scramble because... You gotta okay. have a scramble match. GCW, please, I'm begging you, open, open, I challenge you to open one show, any show, I don't care if it's GCW, JCW, uh, Bloodsport doesn't count, I'm only shocked that we haven't seen a Bloodsport scramble yet. DDT Goes Uh, Hollywood was Chris Brooks and Yoshihiko versus um, Mao, and I can't remember his partner, but it's that, uh, that tag team that's like 37 something, like, I can't remember how it's pronounced, but that's... That was the opener for that show, so it was not a scramble. That was that was a uh, that was a GCW or I'm sorry, a DDT show, I think. Uh, now oh GC- yeah, you're right. GCW versus DDT opened with not a scramble, but an eight man tag. So I guess that I I should give some credit where credit is due. Um, uh, please just open any non blood sports show with a one on one match. I, I'm begging you for my children that I don't have. For the hungry cat and for the hungry cat, you heard her scream for a one-on-one match, and just think of the cat. Why, why, why? Um, how do you want to talk about this? Because there was uh, approximately one zillion shows. Uh, I didn't watch everything, thank God. Um, I I only watched like stuff that people said should be watched, and with a pretty reasonably lenient uh, threshold right. for that. Well, well, let's do this. You have the For the Culture lineup uh, pulled up. Let's talk about like the general like talent on the show. Um, sure. And then let's get your overall thoughts about WrestleMania weekend a- as a whole. Because one of the, my biggest frustrations was like three of the best shows of the weekend were all going on at the same time. This is at least that... the second year in a row they did that. And they've got to stop. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on, man. We don't need like three of the best shows of the weekend going on at the same freaking time like okay um, at, at, at this point we know when super card of honor is always going to be which is friday night don't mm-hmm. just don't put anything important on friday night put your uh you know emo fight or degeneration f there 
Um, I and, and I'm probably talking about my ass at, talking out of my ass here. What do they have at that slot? Opposing Supercard of Honor was that um, was that the Super Show? My brain well, wants to say it's the Super Show. Um, I think Super was Super Show Thursday or Friday. That's uh, La, I'm what? pulling up on VoiceToWrestling.com. Okay, so we we got I got schedule. it here. Opposite, at least in part, of Supercard of Honor, at least for like one hour, was. Uh, uh, let's see, DDT versus GCW. Uh, uh, no peace underground. Oh, um, well, Thursday it was Bloodsport, Mark Hitchcock Memorial Show. Um, those were both going on at the same time. And then you had a multitude of Circle Six. Mm-hmm. Uh, like DDT goes Hollywood started at ten Central Time, which. Um, that was fun. Um, I, I enjoyed most of that show. Um, uh, but that was going on at the same time as new Japan and impact, which I thought was a really weird placement. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it just multiple times throughout the weekend. And obviously you're not going to have perf- perfect, but I mean, come on, we can do better than that. Like, Supercard of Honor, Prestige was a good show. Like, um, I don't know. I, I I really just thought that they could have structured the timing of some of this better. Uh, yeah, it, it was frustrating at points for sure. Uh, but I didn't deal with that because I watched it all after the fact. So uh, whatever. Yeah, you suck. So um, uh, yeah, I, I'm not. I shouldn't even be complaining here. They had. Now wait, let me look at this because this this does is not fantastic have... audio. Yes, we're fantastic. This is great. All right, so for the culture, I mean, you had talents like uh, Darius Carter, uh, Faye Jackson, Willie Mack, AC Mack, uh, Shug D, Kenny King, uh, Brian Keith, Calvin Takeman, Kevin Knight, Man Like DeReese, Trisha Dore, and Myron Reed, and you end up with like one match over six point five on cage match. How? With that, with that, I'm mean, like that's a that's that's embarrassing. That's a low number too. Like now, I will put over. They did have the Black Wrestlers Matter Championship uh, presented out of Iowa, apparently, um, between Myron Reed, man like Therese, and Kevin Knight, and that was a nice little match. It didn't make my top ten. Didn't really get close to it, but it was a good match. And that's the one I watched off this card. But, like, this should be a, an absolute great match, but or a great show. But you've got, like, AC Mack, Shug D, and Kenny King hidden away in, like, a 10-man Survivor Series tag match. And also, you don't need on these shows to be doing a Survivor Series tag match. You're, you're working in seven eliminations in 21 minutes. I mean, that's not... That ain't great. And, you know, you're hiding away some of your great talent in the scramble, which goes eight minutes. Seven guys, eight minutes. Uh, Hey, everybody gets one spot. I'm begging you, please use TW like once in a while just for practice. Yeah. All right. So we got that. um, Some, whatchamacallit, you got some uh, questions on booking. Um, Now let's talk about our top tens because I think. Yeah. 
there, um, outside of the disaster that is WWE. And Love a list. Not belting up Cody Rhodes. Uh, Tony Khan must have just been laughing his ass off when he saw that finish. Um, let's let, let's ignore that because WWE is its own little shithole, and we want to talk about actual good wrestling, um, which we'll actually talk about some good WWE wrestling. Which yeah, we nice. will. Like this is not the week to bury their match quality. I will say that they had themselves a good week um, in terms of in ring. Now, if and we talk they about, blew it in a 24-hour period from Cody losing through Monday Night Raw. Listen, when you get an hour free of commercial on TV, you absolutely have to keep the minutes of wrestling under two. I mean, that's so well-known. That, that, that goes back to Mid-South, as we all know. Uh, okay, how you want to start with 10? You want to swap going from 10 on up? and uh, yeah. I'll start. Um, my 10th best match of the weekend was um, from WrestleMania night one, Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair. I loved this match. Um, I thought it was a mistake at the time. And I'm not going to give WWE credit for this because there is no fucking way that they actually booked it this way. Oh, there's no planning but, for over three years. No. <laughs> giving Rhea Ripley the win over Charlotte Flair in a empty warehouse WrestleMania would have, would have in theory, like, in hindsight, it would have been a mistake. Where we're at now, she gets a big win in a huge spot against Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania to win the women's championship. I thought it was great. They beat the piss out of each other. They were the Rio was dropping Charlotte on her head. This felt like a, a match you would have seen in Japan. They were just beating each other to a pulp. This was awesome. This was the women's uh, Big E Invitational or Big E Offer match, just just <laughs> the equivalent of uh, meaty men slapping meat uh, for the women. I, I this is how Charlotte's good matches are these days. Like either it's a bad match or else they're just killing each other. Uh, and at least we got the good version of Charlotte at this point. You could even say we had good Charlotte, but I'm sure. I'm just going to reference. I'm more of a Sum Forty One Blink One Eighty Two fan myself, but there it is. Not bad. There it is. Um, but yeah, I like this match a lot too. You will see it later down my list. Um, my number 10 was from Supercard of Honor, Mark Briscoe and Samoa Joe. I thought this was a really nicely structured match. And these two guys uh, really sold the emotion of it. And, uh, you know, they're both getting up there, especially Joe. I think Joe's like not far from the end, sadly, but. He can uh, still go. Like, oh, he can still go, but like I, I think that it's far more limited than it was in his heyday. Yeah. Which I mean, look, he's like what thirty eight at this point. How old is Samoa Joe? Is roughly my age, and uh, he can definitely work better than me. Forty four, mm-hmm. damn, older than I thought. Uh, yeah, he's he's still great to have around, and this was a good match. I liked it a lot. It was my uh, my best of the foreign quarters, I guess. And uh, yeah, yeah, I uh, I really enjoyed that match. I thought. And we talked about it last week when we previewed Supercard of Honor that if Mark Briscoe doesn't win here, that means he's winning the big boy belt. And I think it's going to be one of two places. It's going to be at Final Battle, the anniversary of the last ROH match that the Briscoe brothers had, or it's going to be at WrestleMania weekend next year in Philadelphia, which is going to be really close to Sandy Fork, Delaware. Yeah. Um, obviously, WrestleMania crowds are traditionally travel crowds, but ROH ran Philadelphia in the area a lot. So I think you're probably going to get a lot more homegrown style ROH fans at that show 
So that's kind of where I'm at. I almost put this on my list because I really enjoyed it too. His kids, you could hear them in the hard cam. Yeah. Like that was a great unintentional touch. Yeah, it was nice. It was got to get the kids uh, working. You know, they are former champions as uh, we, we saw in the Ring of Honor Wrestle Buddies commercial. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah. solid match. Very good. It was awesome. My number nine was also from Supercard of Honor, Wheeler Yuta versus Katsuyori Shibata. Listen, Shibata cannot do the Okada match again. Like I, I really don't think we're ever going to see that. I don't think For many reasons. wants I really don't think anybody wants to see that because they want to see an alive Shibata. Yes. New Japan's not booking him in matches, but this is perfect for him. The pure division, where you can focus on grappling, where you can focus on like just chops and kicks, and you don't have to do a bunch of head drops to really have a great style match because there's not that expectation going in. I think this is perfect for him. I think it's awesome that he won the belt. It clears up Yuta for a lot of the BCC stuff because, let's be honest, he's going to be the pin eater of that group um, because they don't really have one. So you don't want the ROH pure champion losing. I just thought it was really well done all around. And Shibata winning, I thought was a really nice touch, especially for a travel crowd, because they're going to be more invested in a Shibata than they are going to be in another, uh, like a homegrown style wrestler. Yeah, and uh, if Shabbat is healthy enough to work once in a while for them, and apparently he was on the Ring of Honor tapings this week, I mean, you've you got to do it. Um, I mean, just a, an amazing uh, talent to have on hand. I did not put this in my top ten, but it was uh, it was good. Uh, I liked it quite a bit. I went three and three quarters, so like on my recommendation list, but not like my the top of it. So yeah, well, what was your number nine? My number nine was uh, Steen Erico against the Usos from WrestleMania Saturday. Uh, you know, I'm happy to complain about the fact that this is what Sami Zayn ended up with after as hot as he was just a month ago and everything. But this was a really well-worked match. Uh, the crowd was super into it. I mean, it was super over with the crowd. Uh And uh, it was really well-worked. I enjoyed it a lot. And uh, I mean... You, it would not surprise me if that was the best tag team match in WrestleMania history. And that's not exactly a high bar either. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, I almost put this on my list. I really enjoyed it. But I just thought, like, the problem with WWE Epics to me is there's too much downtime. There's too much weight. They build the drama too way too much. Um and I don't mean that in a good way. Um, but it was very well done. They got the moment. And well done. Like, they actually somewhat paid off um, Sami Zayn. Um, they could have done it better, like everything WWE, but it is what it is. My number eight match, uh, Super Card of Honor, the Reach for the Sky Boy ladder match, uh, the Jay uh, Briscoe um and Mark Briscoe kind of memorial um, to pass on a new rendition of the uh, Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships with the Briscoes on the the little uh, side plates, which I thought was a nice touch. Everybody's going to remember this match for um, Dante Martin getting this, the sit injury um, and snapping his leg, but this match was great. Uh, Aussie Open, 
was just doing some bonkers stuff and then ended up flying back to Japan for a road to show. Like that was tremendous. And then you had some awesome stuff. The kingdom Matt Taven and Mike Bennett were taking some psycho bumps. These guys, they were working their asses off hard. They worked so hard. And you know what? I thought that it was going to probably be the kingdom then winning the match because they were ROH homegrown dudes. But they went with the Lucha Brothers, which I thought was a little bit of a surprise. But overall, this was great. Um, you could tell Penta was really distraught at the fact that um, Dante got hurt. They just over-rotated that destroyer um, yeah. through the table. And stuff happens. This is why it's professional wrestling. Um, all indications are that um, Dante's going to be fine long-term, which wonderful. That's fantastic. Um, but overall, great match. Yeah, terrible about Dante's injury, uh, but this was just a blast, just craziness all over the place. My number eight uh, was from GCW, the world on Lucha, thanks to one Gringo Loco, um, who I actually do believe is wicking those shows and does it. I think he does about the best of the GCW name bookers, uh, to be honest. Uh, Dolce Tormenta and Sexy Star. Uh, this one I don't think had any hype coming in. And of course, it's Sexy Star, but it's not that Sexy Star. Um, it's very important to note that. Uh, I thought this was a great women's match. They just went at it hard. Um, fantastic showing by two people with very little name value in the States, especially the the kind you want, a.k.a. not being mistaken for bad person Sexy Star. The first... Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I thought this was great and a uh, strong recommendation on that. I went four and a half stars. I almost put that on my list too, but, and in theory, and uh, looking back on it, I probably should have, but um, you bullied me and I did this off the cuff. So I, I didn't have a written down <laughs> list. So I'm going to blame you. Um, my number seven match, <laughs> my number seven match. Um, I think this was from uh, the DDT show. The DDT goes Hollywood. And that is the East West Express versus the Moonlight Express. The, no, this this might have been this is from GCW versus DDT. Yeah, uh, I think that's East right. West Express being Jordan Oliver and Nick Wayne, Moonlight Express being um, uh, Mao and Speedball Mike Bailey. Mm-hmm. This was awesome. Um, they were just kicking the crap out of each other, uh, and the, some flippy doos, hard hitting impact, and you could tell that they were really trying to build up East West Express. Speedball takes the loss here, which I thought was a little bit of a surprise. But overall, this was great. Um, this would, uh, this is not my highest tag match here, but this would be the one if you had to pick like a match. Like, I would recommend this because I love Speedball, I love, um, I love Nick Wayne and Jordan Oliver. He needs and I'm sure people have said this before. People have said it in our office side before. Dude needs to go to Japan and just work for like three months straight and just learn how to just kick people's asses because he has a chance to be pretty decent. He's only 23. Feels like we've been watching him on the indies for the past 10 years. Which probably is correct. Um, yeah, I think he's uh, I think he's improved a lot. I actually enjoy watching him now. Um I, I kind of dislike the, in a way, the GCW. Let's bring in a fifteen-year-old and have them work a lot. And uh, no, so hold on, I'm the with you people. there. 
But I also think that, like, as far as, like, bringing in young people, at least Nick Wayne is Buddy Wayne's kid, you know? Sure. Like, and, and, like, Wayne's obviously better than the the median, by, by far, yeah. uh, of this group. And, I, like, Billy Starks is getting good, I think, from what I've seen from her. Uh, she's she's not... really good for being 18. Yeah. Uh, she's shown definite signs of improvement over the past year. From And I'm not watching a lot of Starks matches, but what <laughs> I have seen, like, it's a step up. Uh, but, yeah, I, I do think that... Well, one, they should be in damn school, get off my damn lawn. Uh, but two, um, like, I, I just worry that, like, if they keep working in the same area, the same promotion over and over against the same small selected bunch, that they won't benefit the same as they will from, uh, you know, from a wider range of opponents. Now, Starks has moved away from that, and I think Wayne has too, but there's... You know, like Oliver's obviously not a teenager, but he's still very young. I feel like most of his booking is through GCW. So mm-hmm. maybe he'll get more spots now outside of that. Uh, hopefully, I mean, I thought he had a pretty solid showing. I would put him fourth in the match that you just mentioned, but still like a pretty good fourth out of four. He so. wasn't a, a hindrance in the match. Yeah. I agree. All right. Who's your seven? My seven, I'm going back to World on Lucha, baby, because uh, there was a six-man tag here of Aramis, Commander, and Ray Horace against uh, Ares, Black Taurus, and Latigo. That was uh, fantastic. Uh, just a really, really good uh, trios match. Um, and uh, I've, you know, for the past few years, the Lucha scene has been underutilized in the U.S. for a variety of factors, whether it be CMLL politics, the horrors of COVID, or just like AAA not being able to book well at all. Uh, but we're finally getting access to those great talents. And I mean, just looking at this year, what we got from Vikingo Commander, Black Taurus, Laredo Kid, when his rupt- intestines aren't rupturing, um, and like Aramis, Ares, like all these talents. Uh, now Galina Domal, who is not in my top 10, but like if I could put like top 10 beefy boys or something like did you watch his match the trios match he was in tyler who god galino demal am i screwing up I, that name i don't the, think so what oh show my was god that? he um okay so that's like the great that's the a son of uh dr uh, wagner and this okay. was on the hitchcock of the world so no you didn't watch it uh, buddy, if you want to watch a 300 pound man, and I'm not exaggerating, this guy makes Black Taurus look mid, uh, doing lucha shit. And when I say lucha shit, I don't mean basing, I mean actual lucha shit. My god, oh. you, you can tell that like the the stamina isn't there, but like it doesn't matter. It's basically uh, Keith Lee level stuff, just about. It's wild, you need to hunt that down. Um, okay. Yeah, but but that was not my pick. I picked the other Lucha trios of the match of the week. I did think about the Galeno Del Mall one, uh, but I like this one a lot. Uh, Lucha shit is cool. Uh, go Lucha doors. <laughs> the end. My thing with Lucha is I would love to see more Lucha. Problem is, um, the language barrier for me is more particularly difficult than it is other people because I like to be invested in stories along kind of with what's going on. Um, and that's one of the reasons why it was hard for me to get into um, a lot of the non-New Japan Puro stuff initially, because I like the commentary. I'm I'm a nerd for commentary in general. Like and like I don't like having things muted. I like to be able to hear people talk about it. 
but that's just kind of how my brain's wired. I grew up in the talk radio era. You did too. Sure. Like, I as a thirteen year old kid, I wasn't listening to music. I was listening to talk radio twenty four seven. Buddy, when I was when I was fourteen, I was listening to Tony Kornheiser, which explains so much about me now. God, um, that explains a lot. Holy shit! It really does. <laughs> um, <laughs> you were banned from the Tony Kornheiser show. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> like, my advice is actually to watch triple a in a sense, because one, there aren't any storylines to worry about. Like, and when they are there, they're bad. So, so what you should just do with triple a in particular is uh, just find their good matches and then listen to uh, Hugo Savanovich to scream Peligro. And uh, Hugo is so much fun. Yeah. He's great. He really, he he really is great. Um, But you know, triple a is getting english commentators and then they're mixing their audio horribly so you can't hear them and the crowd at the same time so your your problem is solved obviously <laughs> yeah um i love watching lucha it's, it's some of those roadblocks have been just it's more of a personal thing it's um but anyways let's continue because we yes. have a dynamite to talk about as well um we my number six match um also contains speedball mike bailey when he faced off against El Hio del Vikingo. Um, I believe this was on Joey Janela's spring break. And Vikingo earlier in the night um, wrestled against Commander at Supercard of Honor. Thinking, okay, it's like fucking 11 p.m. in California. Like, how much effort are we going to get from these guys? No, these guys kicked ass. Um, Speedball was great. He, uh, He came out in the Tajiri cosplay. And I thought it was a really interesting match because it wasn't a luchador against Vikingo. It was like a martial artist. And the how they kind of intermingled everything, I just thought this match was tremendous. I, I went four and a half. This was this was great. And I would love to see these two wrestle again. That was my number 12 match. So uh, obviously it's awful, no good. Four and a quarter stars. Can't recommend it to anyone, of course. Um, uh, am I up to, I'm up to six now, I do believe. Yep. Um, my number six, uh, previously mentioned is Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. So what's your six? Um, no, I just gave you my six. The King. Oh, did you, did you do your seven? Yeah. East West Express and Moonlight Express. All right, cool. I don't know where I am or who I am. Uh, my number five is, uh, Commander versus, uh, Hijo del Vikingo from Supercard of Honor. Uh, the flips, man. They did the flips. All the moves. Yeah. Tremendous. Well, I, I loved it. Um, uh, I'll end up talking about that in a little bit. My number five, Bloodsport. John Moxley versus Alex Coughlin. They came out, and you know, Moxley has that that don't-give-a-fuck attitude, and he just wants to beat the piss out of the guy in front of him. Coughlin matched it, and mm. uh, he was very impressive. They beat the piss out of each other, and Coughlin ends up um, getting choked out. But I came away very impressed. Moxley looked like he was just having a ton of fun. And somebody needs to push out Coglin and give him a gimmick that's worthwhile and not RoboCop. He's going to save Sting one of these days, though, and it'll make it all worthwhile. Oh, God, that'd be amazing. Uh, number four for me was the Reach for the Sky Ladder match, which we also already talked about. So I'll hand it over to you for your number four. East-West Express versus Motor City Machine Guns on Joey Janela's spring break. This match was great. 
Um, you had the high flying of Nick Wayne and Jordan Oliver, and then Saban and Shelly can still do the that spot, but they're so technically savvy and they're so experienced that they don't have to do all that stuff. And they were they were really great in working in contrast with uh, Jordan Oliver and Nick Wayne. I love watching Motor City Machine Motor City Machine Guns. There we go. I can actually talk for once. Um, this was a great way to put over East West Express and. Get, they got them the belts, and now it's the GCW Tag Division. So who knows how what their direction they're going to go with it? But this probably, was probably sequel play in Miedo Extreme. Yeah, this weekend was to make the East West Express, and I thought that GCW did a pretty dang good job of it. I fully agree with that. Uh, they are, they didn't make my top ten, but they did have two very good matches that I enjoyed quite a bit. My number three is a trio's triangle match. Uh, I forget which show this was from because there was 1,800 of them. The, this was from the Hitchcock Memorial Show. I went four and three quarters on it. Uh, Black Taurus, Commander, and Hijo Del Vikingo had a hell of a trio's match. It's basically the Super Card of Honor match, but also a base that's really good. Okay. that that That's one I do want to watch. Um, all right. My number three. El Hijo Del Vikingo versus Commander from Supercard of Honor. Um, I had some issues getting it to the show on time, so I only caught the first half initially, but then when I watched the whole thing back, oh, baby. Um, <laughs> I like. I thought it was pretty impressive the air that Dante Martin would get. Commander makes him, makes him look small time, just with the amount of height and the amount of grace. Like, you could tell, like, all, all these flippy-do guys learn gymnastics from a young age at this point, because it's so much of what they do and how they build up their power, how they get explosiveness with their jumps and off the ropes. But you could tell commander was a high, high level gymnast at one point with just how smoothly he just flies through the air and how he does some of his jumps. It's just so graceful and phenomenal. I love watching these guys work and they worked so well together, Fred Um, just what an incredible way to open up a show. Just give these guys 15 minutes. Yeah, it was it was a blast. Just a lot of fun and a fantastic opener. Uh, my number two match, also from Supercard of Honor, was Eddie Kingston against Claudio Castagnoli. Uh, they really made this feel like a big match. Uh, I, the selling in this, I think, was particularly great. And uh, I really enjoyed watching it. So uh, it's nice to uh, another beat in their story that's been going on for 15 years. And uh, that's kind of the, the theme of the weekend, you know, between that and the long-term Cody story. Unfortunately, they got screwed up pretty bad. And also the long-term uh, Steen Erico story, uh, which also was messed up a little bit on the way to where we are. Uh, but I love this match very much. Yeah, it was uh, definitely a good match. My number two, Eddie Kingston versus Claudio Castagnoli. Uh, brainwave. Um, yeah. One thing that really impressed me about this match, Fred, I love how they finished it. I thought they should have belted up Eddie Kingston, but unlike with WWE, I actually have faith in Tony Khan to deliver a story and to use this as a building block, kind of like how um, Gato used Tetsuya Naito losing at Wrestle Kingdom 12 as a, a bigger part of that seven-year arc to get him that uh, title win at Wrestle Kingdom. Um, I think that they're going to be doing something similar with Eddie Kingston, especially because Claudio didn't beat him. He just won. 
He yeah. won with the roll-up. He didn't put him out. He didn't finish him. He caught him. And I think that's a really important nugget to this story because now you're going to have Eddie thinking, I had this guy. And he even kind of said so in that post-match presser where he just dropped a bunch of F-bombs <laughs> and mentioned how MJF gets 30 minutes and he can have five. Um, but Kingston had Claudio on the ropes. He had him. And he just got caught. Yeah. And that is a really important finish for the projectile of this rain. And I think we may see a long one from Claudio Castagnoli and Eddie Kingston ending up challenging him uh, relatively soon. I don't know how they're going to structure this or if the Ring of Honor is only going to do four pay-per-views a year or whatnot. But uh, I think that's the long-term play, and I think they set it up really well. Yeah, uh, I, I loved it, and I'm excited to see where we go from here. Mm-hmm. What's your number one? My number one uh, was the Big E offer match. Drew McIntyre, yeah. Sheamus, and Gunter just slapping the hell out of each other. Big meaty men slapping meat. I I look. You can you can give me all the shitty booking in WWE you want, and I'm sure Vince McMahon will be working on that shortly. But <laughs> I gotta say that if once a month I just get some combination of these guys beating the hell out of another member of that group. I'll watch it. Doesn't matter. Uh, th- this match was great. They just killed each other. Uh, I-, I ain't saying Michael Cole is great or anything at this point in time as an announcer, but he's, you know, one of the things is that they have decreased the announcing bullshit by like 10%. Not enough, but they have decreased it a little bit. Uh, but him just happily giggling <laughs> during this match as they're killing each other and trying to cave in their chests, I think really kind of captured my feeling on this match. It was just a joy to watch these three men try to murder each other. And uh, the, I thought it was easily the best match of the week. I didn't think anything was really on the same level as it, despite having several matches that I liked. This was the one five-star match of the weekend. I almost went five. I only gave it four and three quarters because I'm a damn coward. But I also have six five-star matches on the year, so you can you guys can shove it. I, I thought this was great. Um, I liked what uh, Joe Lanza said on the uh, Patreon um, WrestleMania review show that they do, um, that they kind of gave away the finish a little bit, and I agreed. Um, when they had McIntyre and Sheamus really go after each other, and then yeah. it's an old WWE trope. The guy comes in and capitalizes. I don't care. These guys beat the fuck out of each other. It yeah. was great. These uh, guys rule. <clears throat> like Drew McIntyre is apparently done with WWE. There's some mixed reactions from people I've talked to. Of what do you want to see Drew McIntyre into in AEW? Yeah, I do. Hell yeah. Like he doesn't even have to come in and be a star. Just come in. Be a mid card guy. Work your way up. He he worked with these guys on in the Indies uh, right before he resigned with WWE. He's one of them. Like he had, was the chosen one in WWE, and then they cut him, and then he went and proved himself on the Indies. He was in Evolve. He won titles. He won the Impact World Championship from Bobby Lashley. Like this is a guy that has the respect of these people, and he can work. He's not going to go in with. In, from my perspective, he's not going with a holier-than-thou attitude as far as WWE so much better. I think this could be a great fit, especially 
because AEW could use a little bit more size in their ranks because some like a lot of their bigger stars are on the smaller side. Not necessarily saying they're small, but when you have a guy that looks like Drew McIntyre and would be that like he's that good. And he's charismatic too. Yeah. Don't give him ten million dollars, but bring him in. Yeah, I, I think if you had him in like the the upper mid card mix, that would perf- be perfectly acceptable. Uh, I, I, you know, if Drew McIntyre is a free agent, and uh, I haven't really seen any reporting confirming it, but then again, I've only been watching wrestling and not really following the news too much this week, outside of the obvious stuff. Uh, I would I would jump on the chance to make an offer to him. But hell, if he's just going to bounce around the indies or uh, go to New Japan or even impact or something like that, which would be weird. Like I, I'd still be happy to follow his career. Cause I think he's a, he's a great talent. Yeah, I think so too. Um, man, I, I will say I, I still want to see Seamus go to Japan. Oh, just I, I worry that Japan, he's please. I, I worry that it's just too, too, too late in the game for that. I mean, he is 45. I'm not sure that he would, Want to do a G1, but man, can you imagine Sheamus in a G1? That would be pretty damn fun. A proper oh. G1, not last year's format. Oh, please. That, like, oh, I'm in. I'm in. Get, like, ah, oh, that'd be kick ass, but we digress. Overall, I thought it was a pretty fun WrestleMania weekend. Uh, yeah, uh, there was some bullshit, but I mean, like, it delivered, you know, certainly in the some high water. Mo- Mark matches, and even if you ignore like the WWE and Ring of Honor ones, like if you're just going to go pure indies, I think GCW occasionally offered some really good stuff. Good stuff. I thought that the Hitchcock Super Show may have been the best show of the weekend. Yeah. Um, some really great stuff on there in creative booking, and I mean Prestige Wrestling had themselves a decent little show from what I heard. Uh, Circle Six even managed to have a couple good matches, apparently. Along the Zachary with... Wentz hour-long show apparently was the best of the weekend from Circle yeah. Six. Cool. Good for them. Good for that. Because it sure as hell wasn't the uh, the Cannabis Cup. Oh, the Cannabis Cup. That... <laughs> That's... I can't help but laugh. Um, I will ask thing. you this. Did you watch um, Maki Death Kill versus Boosie? I did not. That, that one okay. did not appeal to me, I'll, I'll admit. I would watch it. It's, oh boy! I thought I had fun. Um, like, like Effie and Alley Catch, they can kick rocks. Nick Gage can't really move. Maki Ito taking the pizza cutter, like <laughs> she was all in on this, and I thought that element was a lot of fun. And uh, like, look, this is gonna be like you get your old grumps like Joe Lanza. They're gonna hate this. I thought it was fun and. It was unique, and I thought that's what made it as fun as it was. They should have picked better opponents than Effie and Alley Catch, but it was it was a really unique tag team that I think they really took advantage of in maximizing. I think uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro has a very good roster. I actually started watching it last year, and I was impressed by not just like the talent of the top people, but how much depth there is. Like Maki Ito, I think, is an actually good wrestler. Um, Mio Yamashita is arguably the best women's wrestler outside of stardom. Um, Shoko Nakajima is really good. Uh, then you get into the mid card. I mean, you've got Yuka Sakazaki over there sometimes, and she's obviously great. Uh, as we saw with the Athena match, which was short but still very enjoyable. 
Uh, I mean, just so much talent there. Uh, you've got uh, Mizuki, and uh, her tag team is very good. Um, I, I think it's a great promotion right now, and uh, I enjoy checking in with it when I get the chance. I need to try and get some uh, Joshi in my life, too. But uh, with football, I, I, I just don't have the time. I'll pop in on stuff, but I don't have time to follow another promotion. I really don't. Yeah. Um, but speaking of promotions, we are an AEW centric podcast. Let's get to AEW. This was a very interesting show, and it's and it, we had the announcement that was which we'll talk about in a little bit. But it was what started the show, and you have Juice Robinson already in the ring. Ricky Starks comes out, and then it starts about to enter the ring. You just hear Bullet Club, and then the switchblade drop, and no, nothing on the screen, but you kind of hear some crowd crowd reaction and out comes jay white and they kick ricky starks's ass and jay white says he is all elite baby and now we in in theory have bullet club in three promotions this is gonna be fun yeah uh i i think jay white could fit in very well with aw and uh i think he's a strong addition um I'm still kind of shocked that WWE didn't pick him up. He felt like Taylor made for what they do. Um, they could have renamed him. I don't know. Uh, Josephus uh, caucus or something. And, uh, you know, but, you know, then put him through NXT and pretend they developed him. Um, yeah. I'm excited that he's in. Uh, it should be great for the company and uh, should lead to some very exciting stuff. I think the biggest question with him is, how is he going to handle the primordi- the the majority or the primary number of his matches? As I combine those two words, um, being not thirty minute, you know, epics, but ten or fifteen minute TV, you know, matches, because uh, he, he didn't do a lot of those before. And uh, what he did do was in Impact, where he was definitely giving the old uh, low effort. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's a very interesting situation. Very interesting. Um, I, I'm excited to see how it continues to evolve. Um, then Tony Schiavone interviews Chris Jericho backstage, and in the process of it, um, Jericho says, you punked out Daniel Garcia, and I had to put a stop to it, Adam Cole, kind of continuing to lay groundwork for their feud that's up and coming. But Keith Lee interrupted, and Keith Lee challenged Jericho to a match next week on Dynamite and said, maybe I'll teach you a thing or two about respect, because basically – your entire AEW career has been about disrespect. And I, I think this was awesome. Keith Lee with the gray, I think, makes him look like even more of a killer. Yeah, I agree. Oh, it's it, it's it's weird that, like, I, I think it just pops um, with Keith Lee because, like, his size and, like... It's the haircut with of, it, too. It, it's also the face. And yeah. just him, like, you know Keith Lee could kill you. But now it feels like Keith Lee is going to kill you even more so than before. Yeah. And I think I think that's a really nice, subtle touch. And now Keith Lee doesn't have to worry about dyeing his hair and beard all the time, which is gonna save him money and time. That it's a win all around. Yeah, and uh frankly, uh I, I what I think will happen, my prediction for next week. Uh, I'm pretty confident of this, unlike the Mark Briscoe Samoa Joe match from Supercourt of Honor. Uh, where I considered gloating about being right when really I was just like, yeah, I guess they could beat him. Um, <laughs> is uh, I think next week is you're going to have Jericho cheat to win and then the JAS to come out to beat up K- 
Keith Lee and who should make the save, but Adam Cole, and that'll continue their feud and possibly align Keith Lee as Cole's backup or just loose affiliates or what. I'm not sure, but uh, I think that's pretty obvious what is going to happen. Yeah, I think so too. Um, that look, this company's fun right now. It's not perfect, but it's fun. Speaking of fun, House of Black defending their AEW World Trios Championships against the best friends, and House of Black picks up the win. But the best part of this, Sue pulls up in the minivan. I love that. It's it's just such a little thing, and it's absolutely stupid, and nobody cares. But it's fun. Like, Trent is, he's a dweeb. Like, th- that's his character. He is just a fun-loving goofball. So his mom drives him to the ring. That's fun. Like, I, I like Sue. Like, there are cornballs anyway, so it doesn't really hurt them at all. It's just an element of fun on the show. Um, I know it's it's a uh, bridge too far for some people, and I get that, and you're okay to be a curmudgeon here. But I think this is good. Yeah, I enjoy it. I'm not going to like get too upset if people don't like it. Uh, but I also, it's like a 20-second bit and a, a once-a-year deal. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you can cope with it. It's fine. Um, but yeah, I, I always pop for, uh, you know, the flagship has always had Slex, comma, the business. Now we have uh, Sue, comma, the mom uh, popping up every once in a while. And uh, Slex, the business. I enjoy Sue. I'm always happy when I see her. So. Yeah, um, awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Um, the match was good, too. Um, yeah, I like this get, match. Uh, I thought it was a nice little uh, three and three quarter, you know. Uh, it was a great TV title match. Watch. It was, yeah. And um, or thumbs up. Buddy, yeah, Buddy Matthews hit the curb stomp for the pin on Chuck Taylor. Um, I thought it was really nice that Buddy got the win and not um, Malachi. Uh, which, yeah, or- not Malachi or Brody King. And I thought that was noteworthy. Um, what that means moving forward, I don't know, but I think it's it's always noteworthy when the weakest member of the group gets the win um, instead of one of the stronger members. So that's uh, it's always a good thing. Um, footage, uh, just a little blip was shown of Christian Cage and Luchasaurus with a red backdrop looking menacingly into the camera. Did you think this was a brood tease? No, I didn't think it was a brute tease. Uh, I, I understand uh, why, you might, why, why you bring it up, but I didn't get so that at all. I, I don't necessarily mean that Edge is coming, but almost like, uh, hey. It's well, would you be saying Edge is edging? <laughs> no, Blink-182 says that. Um, okay. Well, they just released a, a single called Edging. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I'm going to see their concert next month, so I've been oh, listening cool. to that link. Um but no, uh, you had Edge with the Brute entrance. And I, I thought this was more of a tip of the cap and an acknowledgement necessarily than, oh, Edge is coming, Edge is coming. Um, I just, it could be. I just don't know. I just thought it was uh, Monster Heel looking cool with Christian there. You know, that's all I took from it. So Fair. All right, we have... More up. Um, the AEW Women's World Championship match. Jamie Hayter um, with Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, defeating Riho. I thought this rocked. I gave this four and Yeah, I thought this was the best match of the night. Riho throwing Jamie Hayter with Germans and Dragon suplexes. Like, that, it was a nice little touch because, I, um, like, my wife was watching and I, I asked her, I'm like, hey, 
Like, do you take Rio seriously? No. <laughs> like, she don't she don't look like a professional wrestler. She weighs like like my literally, legs. She's literally announced it, literally announced it at 98 pounds. <laughs> my legs weigh more than Riho. Like I am I again I'm a large human, but that's that's not good. Um, but no, this was awesome. They worked really well around the um around the size disparity, and I thought they played into the match really well. Um this was just great. Yeah, I thought this was a blast. I like Riho a lot. Like I, I understand the peep the size thing, obviously. I mean it's easy to see, but when she starts working, I think it's easy to forget about it because she lays it in, she you know does cool stuff. I like her and her shit a lot. So mm-hmm. yeah, this is awesome. Um Renee Paquette, a backstage of the outcast. Ruby Soho, congrats on your successful title defense, Jamie. Don't get too comfortable. One of us will become the AEW Women's Champion. I mentioned this in the office Slack last night. I think the uh, eventual end end match here is going to be Jamie Hader versus Soraya. Um, and we'll just talk about it now because it's going it, to yeah, get sure. announced later in the show. Um, AEW is going to be running all in at Wembley Stadium Sunday, August 27th, one week before all, the scheduled date of All Out on Labor Day weekend. I, you know, Hater's going to be in a prominent match. They She's have be. like Britt Baker feels like the bigger match, but with how this Outcast story is going, it feels like a long term play. I think the match is going to end up being Jamie Hater versus Soraya for that title because you can do Jamie Hater versus Britt Baker later. They've been working this story for a long time. That's been put on the back burner because of this Outcast feud, and that's kind of what I'm what I'm thinking here um, as far as the direction with one of us is going to be holding that women's championship. Yeah. It feels like it's building to that. And, uh, or it could possibly be like a, a, you know, a four corners match with uh, the outcasts against hater and they could do the whole uh, overcoming the odds of shit. And, uh, but yeah, I like this quite a bit. Um, I, I, I thought this was a reasonably good promo and I'm kind of excited to see what we're going to get out of it. Next up, we had Jericho Appreciation Society, Matt Menard, Angelo Parker, and Jake Hader on the ramp. And I asked my wife, um, what she thought of daddy magic. Do you know what makes daddy magic's nipples hard? I asked her about that and she's like, and she, it was one of those moments where you're just absolutely embarrassed to be a wrestling fan. Because it just from somebody who doesn't watch it, it's just like, oh, what I think it's fuck? I it's think great it's for us. Like, I think it's hilarious, but um, I'll, it's an out of context thing. It's like, ooh, cringing. <laughs> but um, so it was the acclaimed came out and rapped, um, no, that they that Basically. they're not but then Angelo Parker, judging by rap, it sounds like you want to fight together. Perhaps Parker might have misinterpreted the rap. Um, Mark Parker said he got a match for him and Menard and the acclaimed to team together on Rampage. Um, it's, it's, this is going to be drawn out a little bit, and I think it's going to be 2.0 versus the acclaimed on the pay-per-view. That's my guess. Yeah, or possibly a Grand Slam or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, I think they're pretty obviously building to that. Dude, Grand Slam's in six months. Is oh god, what's the in between show? There's an in between show coming up, isn't there? It um, so you have double or nothing in May, 
Um, then you. I guess it's just double or nothing. Uh, then never mind. I keep. I keep thinking that there's fight for the fallen in the summer. I keep thinking that there's something before double or nothing, but there isn't. So yeah. you know, I'm good. At I talking think. About I actually it. think it was it like this week was kind of that that midway point um, between pay per views. I think I don't think they're building up for like a bigger midpoint show, um, especially because I don't think MJF's defending the title. Right. Right. That is a good point. Speaking of MJF, let's talk about MJF, Dan, how MJF might be one of the biggest Frank Sinatra fans in the history of the planet. Um, that was Lucy Prima, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, well, it was it was that kind of lounge music. Like maybe like maybe I'm getting like my comp wrong, but it just it had a Frank Sinatra rat pack vibe. Yeah, it's this that was, swing. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Um, I thought that they did it well. Um, you have a massive heel in MJF, but he's a baby face to these fans. And they played it up well enough where it didn't ruin his credibility as a heel because he was still a shitbag. But he was just able to be himself and have fun in front of his hometown crowd. And this is how you book um, wrestlers in front of their hometown fans. Oh, yeah. Uh, I thought this was pretty cool. Um, I thought it was a great segment, actually. Uh, this and the Riho thing, uh, Riho hater thing, uh, were my two favorite bits. Um, I just had an absolute blast with this. Uh, I thought it was a cool way to work in the, uh, you know, his, his ability to sing. And uh, he cut a great promo, which was right in the baby face uh you know, divide and or babyface heel for the hometown crowd. And I don't know. I just thought this was really enjoyable. Yeah, it was really enjoyable. And then at the very end, you had um, Jungle Boy disguised as one of the band members, and he and MJF had a pull apart brawl leading into the Spanish God Sammy Guevara versus Commander. This was good. Um, I thought, like, Maybe it was just me not being as invested into the match, but I thought these two could have had a lot better in them. But it wasn't the match that was that was the big thing. It got Sammy a win, which was important for the story of the Pillars um, going to wrestle each other for the title. It was setting up the post-match. And I want to read a couple quotes. Um, th- this was, I thought I found very funny coming from a heel, but it works within the context of this story. Yeah. Um, because all access is going to play in this, and I'll mention that in a little bit. Look, Tony, I just did something the world champion doesn't do. Wrestle. What was that? I, I was just watching American Idol. And then he goes on and be like, you lied, you cheated, you manipulated your way to the top. And honestly, Tony, speaking to Tony Schiavone, mm-hmm. I'm almost jealous of it. But who are you, Max? You're Cody's friend, and then you're not. You're Tony's friend, and then you're not. You're in the inner circle, and then you're not. You sold your soul. I built this, meaning him. Brick by brick, moment by moment. I put my heart and soul into this. You can boo me. You can cheer me. I'm not going anywhere. I love AEW. I'm not using this place to go anywhere else. I met my wife here. I may have had pay-per-views. Screw Darby Allen. Screw Jungle Boy. Screw MJF. This is good. Yeah. I, I thought this was pretty good, but I thought the best was obviously uh, with the MJF stuff. Uh, I did see some people complain about the length of it. It didn't bother me, but that's just... Uh, yeah, I want to ask you about this because we know that Sammy Guevara's had a lot of heat backstage. They are, it feels like they are using all access to baby face him. Yes, and not like traditional wrestling baby face him, but like make him 
acceptable to the crowd. Uh, I think that's definitely what they're trying to do. Uh, it, other than like getting Adam Cole over, I think that's the main goal of the show. Uh, to be honest, uh, I think you know it's reasonable. I, I do think that the whole crowd turning on him thing has stalled his momentum to some extent, unfortunately, and they've really struggled with that ever since. Yeah. Um, but I think that they're starting to kind of get the back. The crowd is, it's not go away booze. It's just, we don't like you booze. And I think that's an yeah. improvement. Um, next up, FTW championship match, Hook versus the firm's all you Ethan Page. Yeah, this is fine. And no complaints. A little gimmick match, you know. It was, it was fine. Um, it was up after that. Nigel McGinnis introduced AWC OGM Tony Khan, who announced the Wembley Stadium show. And it's not uh, the home of Fulham, which is only like 30,000 fans. This this baby, uh, I could see over 100,000. This is an ambitious show, but it's good. you're going to draw from Europe where it's very easy to travel to and from. You're going to get travel fans uh, to, that want to be at a show this big. This is the first time they're running a stadium bigger than 25,000. This is a monumental um, task for AEW to fill this stadium. My guess is it'll end up being some kind of super show with a lot of New Japan talent. And I bet they get 70, 75,000 people. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the size of the stadium is absolutely massive. The the Soccer setup is uh, ninety thousand. Um, you know, for concerts, it's seventy-five to ninety thousand seated and fifteen thousand standing. It'll be fascinating just how big they go. They're not going to be going here and even aiming for fifty. I don't think they've got to be going over that. And it's very possible they'll end up with the highest mm-hmm. attendance of the year off this show. I mean, uh, if I remember correctly, WWE SummerSlam 92 did 65 to 70 paid. Um, I would expect that to be kind of the goal, but it wouldn't shock me, especially considering the state of European wrestling, where these fans, and especially how Europe was just um, decimated by Me Too, that they would want to go to a show where they can feel comfortable. And I think this would be that show. And it's also important to note that the current Wembley Stadium opened in 2007. So it's actually a different building than what they had in 92 and uh, probably a bigger one. It looks like the capacity uh, the capacity on the original was apparently 82,000, so roughly the same. Uh, but yeah, it'll be very interesting. Mm-hmm. And very few people who outside of England know this building better than the Khan family as the Jaguars play a game there pretty much every single year. Yep. So that's something to be aware of. Um, what What's hilarious about this next match, it was a trios match. Blackpool Combat Club defeated and listed on the AW website. Three opponents. They <laughs> The jobbers didn't even get names. And it, this wasn't a – this was just a squash. It was to set up a Brian Danielson. Um, and he was, uh, he was an asshole. It was great. Um, he says, we are the only professional wrestlers in this building tonight. Hell, after what I've seen this week, we are the only real professional wrestlers in all of damn America tonight. And he gouges Hangman Page's forehead with a flathead screwdriver. And this rocked. Nice I camera work. 
nice camera work to uh, to obscure what they're doing by shooting like a, basically around the back of the heels. But this ruled. It was just fantastic healing. Yeah, it was. Um, main event time. I have nothing to say about this other than it was the guns versus FTR, titles versus careers. The guns tried to get disqualified every five seconds. FTR said, no, 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 no. Let us beat them. And they beat them. They won the titles in a pretty nothing match that was mainly rooted in storyline about the guns being shitbags. But they, they came out to um, 50 Cent. And I thought that was that was a nice touch, you know, long, the Long Island connection. Um, and then you had Mark Briscoe come out at the very end of the show, but they ran out of time, so they really didn't get to see the full embrace. And yeah. I thought that was a nice touch, too. Yeah, it was cool to send him out. It was kind of a little counterpoint to the end of uh, Supercard of Honor, where Mark Briscoe came out, or I should say the Reach for the Sky Ladder match, where Mark Briscoe came out and embraced Lucha Bros. And uh, yeah, this match was possibly the best of the guns, and also definitely, I think, the worst FTRs had in a non-squash situation in AEW. Um, it was fine. It was very, like, 1980s JCP kind of style stuff um, with the storytelling of the heels cheating. I I gotta get one thing off my chest here. Uh, there was one thing that really annoyed me in this match, which was... Uh, the the belt doesn't change on a DQ thing, like you, that rule is completely Vince McMahon way to you know Vince Senior really I think uh, lazy way to set up challengers for Bruno San Martino, um, have him lose a match to the heel by DQ and then the rematch comes. It's the pits in twenty twenty three. Uh, it's yeah. been ruined ruined by other companies, but I just would prefer if AEW would just bring in the titles. We'll change on a DQ because logically there's no reason for it not to. And, uh, you know, work stuff that way. But that's my take. It was good. Um, th this is overall a pretty good show. Um I really don't have any complaints about it. Um, I thought it was like an 8 out of 10 show. Like, not the best, but like rather strong, I think. Uh, again, the women's match was the best on the night, and it's been a little bit since we could say that. Uh, I enjoyed the the healing of Danielson. MJF Day was really fun. And uh, just a blast. Just really fun stuff. Yeah. Really fun stuff. Um, overall... I like I think we're on the right track here. Yeah, the company feels like it's in the right direction. I like the storylines they're telling. I even like the Ethan Page Matt Hardy one. Uh less Matt Hardy wrestling and more Matt Hardy like conniving against Stokely and Ethan Page. Uh that works for me. Uh as like a total mid-card like 6-minute limit on matches kind of deal. But mm -hmm. yeah. I'm pretty happy with the, yeah. the arc of the promotion right now. Me too. Any overall thoughts um, before we get out of here, Fred? Just a couple quick news notes. Uh, there is a new episode of Ring of Honor tonight, of course, and the card has some pretty cool matches up on top. It has Shibata defending the Pure Championship against Christopher Daniels and Athena defending the Women's against Mio Yamashita. 
Uh, there's also Darius Martin against Jay Lethal, Brian Cage against Ortiz, and Tony Nese versus Takeshita, which if that gets any time at all, could be cool. And also Mark Briscoe and the Lucha Brothers against the Work Horseman and Shane Taylor, which also could be fun if it gets time. It may not, though. Uh, Rampage on Friday is followed by Battle of the Belts, which has such preliminary match or such ex- shining matches, is what I was trying to say, as QT Marshall and Powerhouse Hobbs against the Lucha Bros. <laughs> because we need that. Uh, my God, they I, I know that you know there's a lot of like, well, Clash of the Champions wasn't big matches all the time, and so on and so forth, but man, it'd be nice if it was just even decent matches like as far as build the rampage and battle of the belts are not strongly booked shows and we talked about that a lot but yeah it is what it is um yeah this sure is i think um overall i think AEW as a promotion is in a good spot yeah and it's it's really hard to complain about the promotion as a whole, but I I do like the fact that we have some real programs. I'm excited to see what this Blackpool Combat Club thing is all about. Um, and look, we're in for a fun summer, Fred. Oh we yeah, really are. Now, one thing I do want to bring up, I, I don't want to go into it uh, too in depth or anything, but with the return of Vince fully to WWE, no masks, no bullshit about him, just hanging out in Gorilla, being a buddy, blah, blah, blah. AEW does get a competitive advantage back uh, in yes. terms of creative. And I think, that I, I don't, I'm not, I was never super impressed with what Triple Paul was doing over in WWE, but at least was like, borderline competent at at worst for the most part you know he wasted a lot of money bringing back bray wyatt and uh, the the infinity gauntlet of geeks uh that just (laughs) never did anything in there but like people got super excited about like top dollar returning and for god knows what reason um but you know the company at least seemed to not be actively hateful towards its fans, even when it did dumb stuff like having Sami Zayn and Cody Rhodes lose. Uh, but I think based off of what the post-Mania Raw was and what we know about Vince as a booker in you know the modern day, that uh, there's going to be some really dumb shit over in WWE, and I think that can only benefit AEW. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, this is going to be a very interesting dynamic to see how things continue to evolve with Vince McMahon back in power. But um, I, I will say this. Fuck Vince McMahon. And we're going to end the show on that. You can yes. follow the show at on Twitter at GoodBadHungy. You can email the pod at HungyPod at gmail.com. You can follow myself on Twitter at TheRealForno. You can follow my Vikings work at the Vikings Wire or at VikingsFirstSkull for my YouTube channel. You can follow Fred at FlagrantWrestling R, not a W. You can find a link to Fred's Patreon and my YouTube channel in the show notes. And make sure, if you are listening on the Voices of Wrestling podcast feed, that you are subscribing to the Good, the Bad, and the Hungy solo feed so you can continue to help us grow because we don't want to just be number one in Turkey. We want to be number one in other countries too because we are trying to build this from the ground up and be the best wrestling podcast for AEW fans in the world. Thank you all for listening, and have a wonderful day. Fuck Vince McMahon. See y'all.
Hello there, my name's Neil David and I'm the host of Eurograps Express, the podcast exclusively dedicated to the wrestling of Europe. If it's wrestling and it happens in Europe and it's good, we talk about it. Whether it's RevPro, Progress, WXW, Passion Pro, Pro Wrestling Chaos, Pro Wrestling North, we don't care, we talk about them all. If it's good and it's exciting, I want to share it with you. We're on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Check us out on the feed. Check us out on Twitter at EuroGrapsEXP. And join us for chat about European wrestling and a little bit of chat about cheese. Hopefully see you there.